0: Thank you, Bill. Good morning to everybody. Isn't it great to be here today? Beautiful day outside, beautiful day inside. How blessed we are to be able to come together as the Lord's Church, the family of God here at Sunny Slope and worship him and be in fellowship together, sing praises to his name and uh, also just encourage one another through our, our strength, helping one another be stronger in the faith and stronger in our Christian lives. Great to be together. If you're visiting with us today, we're so thankful that you're here and we're just thankful that we have the opportunity to be here with you. And you're a blessing to us just by being here and we pray that it'll be a blessing to you, studying God's word with us and worshiping God with us. If you have any questions, we keep saying, just please ask us. We're just trying to be the church that we all read about in the Bible. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Just very simply that trying to fill that that model. We want to do something. And I appreciate Robert talking about. Uh, I don't think he knew what I was going to be talking about this morning. And I didn't know what his uh, his uh, devotional around the Lord's table was going to be until he sent it to me yesterday. And but it fit in very well. Well done. Good and faithful servant well done good and faithful servant you know i I think that a whole lot of people and i think it's broad-based it goes for people who are not as we might say members of any particular church it goes with members of the lord's church it goes with those who would say yeah i'm 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 you know uh a believer in God, a believer in Jesus. I'm you know, with some church all the time. I, I think it, it goes again with, with the Lord's church here and, and in, in other places all around the world. I think of many people, they, they are uncertain as to just what God expects of them. What does he expect of you? What does he expect of me? What does he expect of humanity, every single individual in general? Well, he wants us To believe that we need to come to him through Jesus Christ for forgiveness. And most everybody would say, yeah, I I understand that. I need to do that. And Paul in the Romans letter said in chapter 3 and verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so I think most people, they recognize I need to be forgiven of my sins. That's going to be basic and fundamental to my being able to be with God forever in heaven. And be with my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. And so what Ananias told Saul of Tarsus, who later became the Apostle Paul when he became a Christian, he said, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling in the name of the Lord. And so... Certainly within the Lord's church, we understand that. I think within a whole lot of denominations, they have a very muddy view of what baptism is all about. But I don't know how you can read the many verses that, that talk about baptism and not come to understand that that is the point at which we come to forgiveness through Jesus Christ, through the blood that he shed on the cross, and salvation in him thereby. That we come into Christ himself, Romans 6 and verse 3 and that we, we are thereby, we transition from a, from a position or a reality within our own lives where we have been lost in our sin, now we're forgiven. We were lost, now we're saved. We're outside of Christ, now we're in Christ, because the verses are repetitive along that line. Most people, they believe that they need to, in some way, come to Jesus as their Savior. Again, how that how how that pathway goes in the minds of different people goes off in a lot of different directions, but they believe they need to come to Jesus in some way. And Jesus said in Matthew 11, verses 28 and 29, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now notice the come to me part. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And so people, they want that rest for their souls. They want to be able to, to believe that, that they're right with God through Jesus Christ. And then they recognize that the only way to God is through Christ. Jesus said that in John 14 and verse 6. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so most, most people, they, they recognize that at least you know, on a surface level basis. And and they recognize that spiritual security is only found in Christ. Acts chapter 2 and verse 21, Peter was preaching on Pentecost and he was telling the massive crowd of Jewish men on that day there in Jerusalem, it shall come to pass that whoever calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Now again, how do we come to forgiveness, no condemnation? We read earlier, a moment ago, Acts 22 and verse 16, Saul of Tarsus, before he became a Christian and became the apostle Paul and wrote more New Testament books of scripture by God's guidance through the Holy Spirit than any other inspired writer. He was an enemy of Christ. He needed forgiveness. And the Lord himself sent that Christian man, Ananias, to teach him. And Ananias said to him, why are you waiting? Arise, be baptized, and wash away your sins. Romans 6 and verse 3 again, we're baptized into Christ. And that is repeated in Galatians 3 and verse 27. In Mark 16, 15, and 16, Jesus told the apostles to go go throughout all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who does not believe shall be condemned. So people have a, a skewed view many times of what baptism is all about, what the purpose is, the means, the method, and so on. The very word means a burial or a, or a submersion or immersion in water. But many teach something else. We need to get that right. The scriptures are, are plain on it. And so many people come to understand correctly about that and they respond in the correct way. So they understand about Jesus, they understand about their sins, their need for forgiveness, they understand their need for salvation, and they understand that that's all through Christ. But when Jesus says in Revelation two and verse 10, be faithful until death, or another translation says unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. I think their understanding becomes rather fuzzy in a lot of cases. And even within the Lord's church, I think that's true. What does that mean? Be faithful until death. Now some people would say that means you're supposed to be at every single church service every time the, the doors are open. That's worship. That's study. That's honoring God. That's glorifying God. But that's not all there is to being faithful to God. It is a lifestyle. I am living my life in the Lord. I am living my life by his teachings, his guidebook. Faithfulness means literally full of faith. But it is demonstrated through my not only belief, but also my obedience and service and dedication and commitment. Well, what does God expect of me in order to live faithfully and to serve him effectively? I appreciate Brother Bill reading that text, a rather lengthy text, but I wanted to get enough of it in there so we understood something of the, of the context and the setting. A master was, or we might say a homeowner or an estate owner, however we can understand him. But of course, it's simply an illustration. The master is, is Jesus and, and we, he's, he's using real life situations that we can relate to to get his spiritual message across and so the master he's about to go on a journey for a period of time and he leaves with three of his servants he entrusts them with various sums of his wealth to take care of while he's gone to use them in productive ways and so one of them he's given five talents of silver and so he uses that, he puts it to proper use, and he gains interest for his master so that now when he, the master comes back, he, he gives him ten talents. One he is given t- two talents to, and he does the same thing. He uses it in a productive, responsible way, and when his master comes back, he gives him two talents in response. And then one, ta- one, one servant, he, he simply was afraid that he'd mess up and he'd lose all of his master's money. And so he dug a hole in the ground and buried it. And when his master comes back, he gives him that one talent back. Well, where does the title come in? Well done, good and faithful servant. In Matthew chapter 25 and verse 21, when that man whom, whom, the master had entrusted with five talents, gives him ten talents in return, and the one servant who responded from what the master had entrusted him with two talents, and he gives him four talents in return, here is the response of the master. It's the same in verse 21 and verse 23, to each of those two individuals, those two servants. He said, his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Well done, good and faithful servant. You had been faithful over what I entrusted you with, the work that I had left for you to do, and I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Again, illustrations from a real-life kind of situation That Jesus simply uses to which we can relate, we can understand the principle, but it's the spiritual message. Jesus is the master. He's gone back to heaven after his crucifixion, burial in the tomb, resurrection from that grave. And then appearing, risen, walking among hundreds and hundreds of people, showing, demonstrated that he had risen from the dead physically. And then he ascended back to heaven. Luke 24, 47, also Acts chapter one, right in front of the apostles, they could witness his rising up through the clouds. The angel standing there with them and saying, why are you gazing up into the heavens? This one whom you've seen go, he will come back in like manner. And so Jesus is coming back one day. We just partook of the Lord's supper and in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the apostle Paul says, when we do that, We're remembering his death until he comes again. And so as we partake of the Lord's Supper, each first day of every week, we are telling the world, he's coming back. He's coming back. Well, we're the servants. The master is Jesus, our Lord. He's coming back. And we want him to proclaim to each one of us, well done, good and faithful servant. But, the image of which of those servants in his lesson, his story there, will apply to us. Let's look at his statement. Well done, good and faithful servant. Let's let's talk about the, the active word first, and that is done, done. It indicates action, something completed that made this pronouncement possible. If a person had only done half of what the master had expected him to do, that word would not apply. Not with the connecting word well before it, but done. Again, it's an, it indicates action. It's a completed task or assignment. What, how do we make that, that application to us in our spiritual lives as Christians? Followers of God through Jesus Christ. James chapter 1, verse 22. The James wrote, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Matthew 7 and verse 21, Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, not everyone who claims to believe in him, not everyone who claims to be following him shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my father in heaven. Obedience, active obedience, active service, active dedication. First John chapter 3 and verse 7, little children John is writing to the the church. He's referring to them as as children, children of God. Let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. All of these verses of scripture, and we could look at many more, they all reflect that action that Jesus was trying to get across in in his illustration about the three servants. Done. They were pronounced, well done, action was pursued and completed among two of them. Now, this servant was condemned because he did nothing. That was the third servant who was only given one talent. Matthew chapter 25, verse 18, he who had received one talent, he went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. Verse 26 his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. And then in verse 30, he told others serving him, cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Surely the illusion of, of what Jesus is, is, is teaching here, using that physical life illustration, comes across Clearly. When his Lord said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, we don't want the Lord to say that to us individually, personally, on the final day of judgment, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10. When we must appear before him and give account of how we've lived our lives, the things we've done or not done that we should have done or should not have done, we don't want him to say, you wicked and lazy servant. Even if we say, well, hey, wait a minute now, I've been baptized, I've I come to church service, what else, how do you serve the Lord? Worship is worship, but what about the good works that we are, have been created by God to be a part of, to take part in? Active, again, that word done, action taken and completed, Ephesians 2 and verse 10. And then cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness, that's how Eternal condemnation is portrayed in the scriptures, outer darkness, a darkness that is so deep, that is so heavy, it's like it can be felt. Cannot see through it at all. And he says there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's how hell is described. Souls there who lament for eternity that they messed up willfully. Or even if they did so ignorantly, they did not follow God's word. And so they have been held accountable for their lack of actions or their wrong actions altogether. Well, so what is the second word there? First, done. And then the qualifier of that word done. Done, again, action taken, action completed. In service to the master. In service to our Lord done well, well. Now these servants, the first two, the one who had been given five talents, the one who had been given two talents, they did what they were supposed to do. And so when the master came back, he said, well done. They were rewarded because they had done what he expected them to do. They did not just do something, but what they did, they did well. They did well. In Matthew chapter 25, verses 16 and 17, again, then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two went and gained two more also. And then in verses 21, we can actually go 20 through 23, but I'm gonna focus on 21 through 23. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant, You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Now, why was that pronouncement made to that particular servant, enter into the joy of the Lord? Because that pronouncement was qualified by the fact that what his Lord expected of him, he had done well, done well. And then he also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Now, the master did not expect the man he had given, the servant to whom he had given two talents, to somehow multiply them multiple times he simply wanted him to use them productively to take care of them to 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 use them in the way that that the the servant understood that he should the same as with the man he had given five talents to the same as he expected from the one to whom he had given one talent now we might say okay he maybe he recognized And I believe God can recognize in us, each of us have certain abilities, capabilities, and opportunities. But they're not the same for every one of us individually. But we each have our unique capabilities and abilities and opportunities. And God simply expects us, and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, until he comes again, he expects us to use that with which we have been entrusted, blessed is another word, to use them productively in his service, to serve him, to be dedicated to him. And so these two servants, they did not just use what had been given to them, but they used what had been given to them well. Now, again, one, the master only gave him two talents. He expected him to only use what he had been given to him, but to use it well. The same with the five-talent man. Perhaps he had more ability, more more capability, and the master recognized that of him. Now, what's the lesson that we can get from this, an underlying lesson? An important lesson for us to learn is to do your best with what you have. To do your best with what God has blessed you. God doesn't expect any more than that. Simply to do well with what God has entrusted you through his blessings with. We need to think about that. And we need to always be praying to God, please guide me to use your blessings to your glory and in ways that are pleasing to you. And help me to see those ways. Well, then notice that each of these two servants were pronounced good, they were pronounced good. And being pronounced good was a direct result of having done well. Done well. Well, we need to pursue what is good. We need to hold fast to what is good. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 15 see that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue. And that's an active word in itself. Pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. And 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 21, test all things, hold fast what is good. We need to put our thought and we also need to put our prayers into, God, show me the good way, your way, how you want me to live, how you want me to conduct myself, how you want me to follow you, how you want me to serve you. We need to have in our mindset Help me please do well in serving you. In using the blessings that you have bestowed upon me and continue to bestow upon me, guide me, bless me, help me to do well. Including the opportunities to be able to help others see your will for their lives. To see the way, your way, that they can be forgiven and that they can be saved and look forward to eternal life with you in heaven. Help me to do well, bless me, guide me to do well. When we look at Matthew chapter 19, beginning with verse 16, we look at a text that teaches us that God is goodness to the ultimate degree. I've said many times, when, someone is, when somebody talks about, well, you know, I'm not sure that, about God. I'm not sure that I really believe in God. Or some say outright, I don't believe in God. I don't believe God exists. I think it's a figment of man's imagination and so on. And some basic, some basic uh, responses that, that I have tried to put across for many, many years, then please, if God does not exist, please explain goodness to me. I've never had anybody respond. I put that out in a public way countless times. Nobody's ever responded and tried to explain to me how there can be goodness without God. How can there be be righteousness without God? Now, let me say also, how can we recognize evil without God? Because God is goodness personified To the ultimate degree, and how can we recognize evil if there's not the presence of goodness? And without God, there is no goodness, true goodness. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I'm going backwards here, I'm sorry, Um, going too far rather. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 15, see that no one renders evil to evil for anyone, but always pursue what is good. And then again, as we read in in chapter 5 and verse 21, hold fast what is good. So what's the basis for that? What's the standard? Matthew 19, beginning with verse 16. Now behold, one, one came and said to him, good teacher, speaking to Jesus. This young man comes to him. We know the story, he's wealthy. What good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. If you, want to do, if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. And then he lists some of those representatively for him. The young man says, I've done those since my youth. I've kept them from my youth up. What do I still lack? He still apparently recognized there was something missing in his life when it came to following and serving God well. And so Jesus said, go sell all that you have, give to the poor, then come follow me. Jesus, of course, could read his heart, could read his understanding, his mindset, and recognize how far he actually needed to go further than just keeping the commandments. The young man went away sorrowful because he had great wealth. Well, what does God expect from us? He expects us to use the blessings and the opportunities and the capabilities and abilities that he has blessed us with in a productive way, serving him. God is goodness to the ultimate degree. Jesus said, there is one who is good, and that is God. A lesson for us. Well done, good, good, because that pronouncement was made upon those two servants because they had done well faithful is the next one well done good and faithful servant okay a life characterized by being full of faith literally but it is our faith put into action through obedience and dedication and service hebrews 11 and verse 6 tells us that if we want to come to god we must believe in god without faith it is impossible to please him For he who would come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And then in verse 4, notice these statements. And the the, the 11th chapter of Hebrews is called, you know, oftentimes simply by, by teachers and preachers, the Bible's Hall of Fame, so to speak. Because one after another, these various Old Testament Bible characters are highlighted in the 11th chapter of Hebrews and notice repeatedly how they're introduced. Hebrews 11 and verse four, by faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. And then also verse seven, by faith Noah being divinely warned of things not seen moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of of the righteousness which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham, verse 8, obeyed what he was called to go out and, uh, to the place, that, that, uh, uh, place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going, but he was going by faith in God. True faith, true faith, is not just believing, it is believing to the point of putting that faith into action through obedience and service and dedication and commitment to God. James 2 and verse 22, do you see that faith was working together with His works and by faith, or by works, faith was made perfect. Just believing is not going to get it done. If we read that text in James chapter 2, the second half of that chapter more thoroughly, we'd see that, that James brings out, you believe in God? Well, that's good. But let me tell you, the demons believe. They're still demons. They're not saved, but they believe. A whole lot of people out there in the world say, I believe in God, but they don't serve God. They're not putting that belief into action through dedication and obedience and commitment. So, Where are we at? Well done, good and faithful servant. A life that is characterized by faithfulness. Our belief put into action through obedience and dedication and service and commitment. And then finally, that last word in that pronouncement, servant. And a whole lot of people have a problem with that. Because they see that word as servant, as being demeaning to their character. But it means what it says. Now, it speaks of service rendered, not service received. Service rendered, not service received. When we read about what Jesus said of himself as he came. Now, he's God the Son. He was there at the creation, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, taking part in the creation. Nothing was made that was made without him. And yet he comes as a servant to mankind, a servant to God, fulfilling the mission that God sent him to come and fulfill, but a servant to mankind. What did he say? Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Was that demeaning to Jesus? Not at all. He was serving God and he was serving humanity by going to that cross. How important that is to us to understand greatness, Jesus taught, is connected to being a servant. In Matthew 20 and verse 26. Yet it shall be not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be a servant. Humility is simply humbling ourselves before God to keep his will. It's not demeaning, it's not degrading. It's simply recognizing and and honoring God. But a lot of people don't want to be considered as a servant. They think that's putting them below somebody else, below God. But Jesus himself came as a servant. Philippians 2 and verse 7, "But But made himself, speaking of Jesus, of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men servant well done good and faithful servant done action not just did something not just did whatever he was supposed to do haphazardly done well and because what god expected him to do what the lord expects us to do as his faithful followers he expects us to do well and then the pronouncement as a result of having done well Good and faithful servant. What a lesson for us. Have you made a conscious choice to be a good and faithful servant of God? To be a good and faithful servant of God through Jesus Christ? So that at judgment, don't you want to hear the Lord say to you, Well done good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Romans chapter six, beginning with verse 16. We've got to make up our minds. The apostle Paul wrote, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey? You are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. Living a sinful life, Makes one, whether we realize it or not, a slave to sin. And who is the author of that sin? The devil himself. But God be thanked that you, that though you were slaves of sin, you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Don't you want that to be your identity? A slave of righteousness before God? The choice you make will be the difference between eternal life and eternal condemnation. Remember those three servants. Two, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Obviously an image of eternal life in heaven. The one, you wicked and lazy servant. Cast him into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We drop down to verse 20 of Romans chapter 6. When you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness because you weren't living in righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. The result of that lifestyle that you have chosen and that you are living And doing well in. You have the promise to be able to hear well done. Good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Would you like to study some more? We'd like to help you. So you can understand exactly what God expects and what he wants you to do. To come to him as a faithful, obedient servant follower child of God we'd love to help you if you need to be baptized into Christ and you understand that fully we're here to serve you in that way serve you and help you in that way if you need the prayers of the church we're here to humbly but at the same time thankfully pray with you and for you if you need to come won't you come take that step Become a servant that is pronounced well by the Lord himself because you're dedicated to do well in serving him as we stand and sing.